Seymour, what's going on? Guys, it is April Tuesday? Wednesday? No, Tuesday. Tuesday the 27th. My name is Everett Lorma. I am joined today by the one, the only, Mr. Seymour. If you've ever been to Kitts Beach, you've seen him there. If you've ever been to the Vancouver Open, you've definitely heard him there. He is one of the owners and one of the head coaches of the Side Out Beach Volleyball Club. If you want to Give give a little sh- there yeah that's it the what I call the best beach volleyball club in Canada. Uh, you may have heard of a couple of girls named the McNamaras who came from from that club, um, and then just a plethora of of other talent. Um, we could actually we can also also touch on some of the a little bit of NCAA ball uh, at the end too. Um, I know a few of your players uh, have been totally. former players have been have been playing in the NCAA. But first and foremost, how are you? It's been a while since I've seen you. I miss Kitts Beach. I miss Vancouver. I'm currently in the most locked down city in the world right now, and it sucks. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm a high school teacher in my my regular life, so that's a bit crazy all the time right now, especially right now. But Vancouver's doing good. Um, I feel like our, our COVID numbers, if we should talk about that, are stabilizing. Uh, we've done a good job. I've, I now have my vaccine as a teacher. I got it on Friday, so I'm feeling invincible. I'm going to hop on public transit and lick the handrails again. Great, uh, great. I'm ready, ready to rock. I'm No one can stop me now. Uh, nope, just kidding. You know, I have to wait my two weeks and get another dose, but I'm better than I was uh, a week ago. So doing well, though. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me. Good, dude. I, uh, I'm, I'm stoked. Just We're, we're going to talk a little bit of, of beach volleyball today. We're going to talk about Perfect. the Cancun bubble going on. We have seen two of the three uh, events go down. Uh, country quota happened today with the, the Americans and, and the Brazilians. Big shout out to friend of the show, Kame Schalk, who qualified th- this time around, qualified for the first turn or got through the, the country quota for the first tournament, then got through the country or then got knocked out in country quota for the second tournament. And now he's back in for number three. So good, good to see uh, a guy who we, we've seen at the Vancouver Open. Good old, good, love, old Canadian, love came. good old Canadian boy competing uh, down uh, for the U.S. now for reasons. I mean, we don't really need to get into that. If you want to get into it, you can go check out my, my last podcast with him. Um, but yeah, Seymour, let's kind of jump into it. What are some of your f- initial thoughts and, and like opening statements here about the Cancun bubble so far? Uh, well, first off, I mean, it's been providing me with like a little bit of like solace and things to look forward to. I mean, the visuals have been fairly incredible. Uh, putting the courts right on the beach, having the cameras looking out in the ocean. Um, whoever the marketing strategic person from Cancun like nailed that. Um, I know when they normally do tournaments in some of these places, like the courts are like behind the hotels, you know, in the parking lots because their hotels are full and they want the beach access to the people that have paid, you know, three thousand bucks a week to be there. But they don't have that problem this year, so it's actually pretty spectacular. So I've been loving that. I, I thought the. Um, the volleyball from some of the teams was very high level. Um, I thought the volleyball from some of the teams was was uh, questionable and not at their standards. Um, but I've been really enjoying it, and um, yeah, I do believe the the conditions have been tough to deal with. Um, they have been very Kitsbeak esque, Kits Kits Beach esque conditions. A lot of side wind. Uh, a lot of wind. You're kind of you're right on the ocean there. Um, I do know that beach well. I don't know if you if you listen to our preview episode that I did with Louis Lett and Greg from the beach volley vlog, beach volley vlog. Uh, I actually went and did spring break there in 2010 uh, as an 18 year old. So amazing. I have played beach volleyball on that beach, and I can confirm that it was windy. Although my um, the the amount of uh, of sodas, let's say I had, might have c- contributed to that. 
you know, my, more Got for it. less, more for less was definitely in effect. More uh, for less was operating. Uh, absolutely. Especially at the all inclusive, that is the, the Oasis Cancun, but you're right. That visual of having just like the Cancun sign behind the main court with the, the ocean in the background is great. Um, you can kind of tell how windy it is by how much the waves are crashing. And we've never, we've yet to see a still ocean yet. Um, so it just kind of gives you an indication of how gnarly the uh, condition, some of the conditions have been. But still, you're right. We've seen some fantastic volleyball from Sun teams. I'm going to start it off with the, the one team that has been absolutely dominant so far, and that has been the Beach Volley Vikings. We're going to head over to Instagram real quick um, to look at it. It has been 500, 597 days since the Beach Volley Vikings, uh, Mole and Sorum, have lost a match. Yeah, I saw that stat the other day. That's that's absolutely insane, and it, it just shows how dominant they are. And um, uh, I've been talking to people, and and we have uh, we have our fantasy league uh, that we're doing right now, and we have a group chat on that. And um, their ability to just be five percent better than the other team all the time is crazy. I I feel like you know they'll start a game, and if the other team is as leveled up or playing really well, they just find that find that extra piece and they find that extra gear. And um, I hypothesized yesterday in the chat that I think, I feel like from what I've watched, I'm actually going to dive into the numbers on this, but I haven't done it yet. I, I think their points percentage coming out from a technical timeout, those like three, four points after technical timeout, I, I would say it's got, it's got to be insane. I mean, the, the micro adjustments they make on the fly, um, you know, they were down 12, nine, um, to cutter and they all of a sudden it was 12 12 coming out like after the technical it was like you know block block error by them and um their ability to do that is, is insane and, and actually i thought um uh, watching them play I, I feel like this is going to sound crazy for somebody to say i i do feel like though that there there was a few cracks this week that that showed up um okay. from some teams I do think that that a serving, if you have a dynamic enough blocker, a serving strategy of going at Anders Mole um, might be might be the way to do it. Um, I don't know if uh, there's a lot of teams that can um, match the physicality of the net or the the dynamicness of the net, but if you can do that, I think I think there's an option there. I, I just think Christian Storm's ability to to intentionally mishit volleyballs makes him impossible to dig. Right. And and Amol setting is so good. And I, I feel like it's it harkens back a little bit to like 2009 when the world kind of figured out maybe we should just serve Phil <laughs> instead of Todd. And I, I you know, Andy will hit the, the, the gnarliest balls of the weekend, but he's also has less shots, will make more errors and probably get blocked more than Christian Sorum. So uh, I, I know that's changed. My opinion that has changed in the last couple of years, um, as I think um, Christian Sorum's side out game has, has just continued to evolve into like elite status and you know he's early 20s and he's approaching uh he's approaching like best of all time I've ever seen side out he like is, as automatic as peak todd or peak bruno absolutely and but the the, the thing is is that what he had like he's much more physical than either of those players like mm -hmm. both todd and and bruno have always been and you know todd was and bruno still is just surgical in terms of of, of their precision but man like christian sorum's he pegs balls sometimes. And there's just sometimes, like, he's just going to overpower you, which is so scary that they've got two guys that can overpower you like that. They did lose two sets this this tur this tournament, so that's uh -huh. that's kind of notable. Well, one of them, surprisingly, in, in their first match to Card Cardenas and Espinoza of Mexico, they beat them in the first set 
21-12, and then lost the second set 21-18, uh, pulling it out 15-9 in the ninth. And then didn't lose another set until the quarterfinals in that epic battle against Cantor and Loziak. And I mean, Cantor and Loziak didn't even make it out of the pool in the first tournament. They're coming out of coming out of uh, the qualifier, and here they are going toe-to-toe with Molensorum. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm a huge fan of, of Loziak. I mean, I think a lot of people are. Uh, his his I think he's the most technical uh, player on tour. Um, and I think that he, you know, so he, he's not too worried. He can handle some of that heat. I think where, again, they, they pushed, but where they ended up struggling in the end was um, Christian Storm hits these, he hits intentional foomers. Like he... He when you when you watch in slow motion him hit balls he's his 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 snap is never at the back of the ball it's always it's always one side or the other or like or like flat there's never almost rarely hits a ball with true topspin and um, and I think that actually because there's a few balls that I would say that normally if you gave you know Loziak a thousand shots he'd dig a lot more of them than he did you know kind of at the end that got away from him but um, really good battle and I expect more from from. Cantor Loziak going forward, I think that they're when healthy. I still think that they're a you know a top eight team in the world for sure. So when you mean these like in, intentional mishits by Storm, are you talking about like he's hitting it like a paintbrush so that he's just barely hitting it and it's falling into the court, or if he's if he's chizzying for hands? Like what do you mean by that? No, I think if you think about it, if you think about like a regular spike approach and a regular contact on a ball, you, you know you think about you know hitting that ball true with like really good top spin whereas his balls will have you know some will have like tons of top spin so you know it's going to be in that channel and, and some will have not very much top spin or no top spin and then he also does he'll he'll hit a ball 95 percent with you know a little bit off center so instead of having just top spin has a little bit of side spin and when he does that it's always moving away from the defender so he comes in he's facing you right in the chest you're like yeah i got this one and it like dives a meter to your right or it goes the other way. It goes a meter to your left. And it, it just makes it like really, really hard to hit. And I remember talking to Josh Binstock one time about this. And he said that, um, you know, the first point he ever played against them, uh, I think it was him and him and Dan in, in San Jose, I think. And uh, he said that, you know, the first ball is a dead Foomer. And he's like, how he foomed that one. Like that's hilarious. Like good shot by him. And then the second one was a Foomer. And then he's like, wait, is he doing that on purpose? And then he backed up and he got one snapped in front of him. So it's like, it, it's, it's, it, I think it's, I think it might be, uh, to be honest, I think it's going to be soon the evolution of beach volleyball. I mean, guys are getting too good, too good at reading, too good at blocking that if you're trying to, to contact a ball, like you're supposed to, you're going to get blocked. Or you're going to get dug. And if you think about pitching in baseball, um, you know, at a certain point, no matter how hard you throw the ball, if you throw it right down the middle, someone's going to, hit it out of the park on you. But if you can, you know, if, if your fastball can look like a changeup or your fastball can be a slider or they all kind of look the same, now all of a sudden it's really hard. So if Christian Storm's coming in every time, same angle or similar angle every time, and, you know, one time he hits just off center to the right and one time he hits just off center to the left and one time he fooms it. Like now playing defense is, is adventure time, especially when the ball's traveling as hard as you can hit it. Because like you said, he's a physical, physical player. Um the, the, and, fact, yeah. the fact that he is going back there and like it's one thing for a baseball pitcher to do it because you have the time to prep. You know, you're, you're just there. You're on your own clock, you know, more or less. And you have the time to, you know, set your hands up to be able to throw the slider, throw the curve, you know, throw the straight fastball however, however you want. But the fact that Christian Sorum is able to do this on the go, like on the fly 
while being set a ball. And I mean, uh, I know Dana Cook broke this down one time for me, and she goes, hardest thing to do in sport is to hit a baseball. Second hardest thing to do in sport is to hit a volleyball, just because of so how many variables are, are going on. You know, that is the pass good? Is the set good? You know, are, are you getting to the ball? Like, there's so many variables for you to be able to hit that ball positively. And I, I mean, I think you alluded to, to earlier of how good of a setter Anders Mole is, and I mean, he truly is that upgraded version of Phil. Right. It's like, let's yeah. take Phil at his prime and we're just going to add way more volleyball experience to him because, you know, everyone knows the story of how Phil Dollar like showed up to college and had never really never really played volleyball before and, and started yeah. playing club volleyball. And that's how, how he got into it. So he's, he's kind of a late bloomer into the sport, whereas like Anders Mull is that but with 10 years experience already and he's you know in his early early 20s it's it's absolutely disgusting to watch what they can do on the court they're just thumping teams i was wrong they did lose three sets in this tournament they lost in the semifinals uh, a semi a set in the semifinals to um uh, Alisson and Alvaro Fijo but they also opened that uh, match with a 21-8 absolute domination of the top or of of that brazilian team yeah i mean i think that uh you know, again, we, we talked about this in, in the chat too, but um, score effects are, are insane and are a real thing and are part of every professional sport. And, you know, it's one thing for us to say, like, you know, we just drubbed a team or we're up big or we want to first set big. And it's one thing to understand that we, you know, they're going to be better and we got to come out strong. Uh, but it, it's, it's so hard to do. And, and, and NBA players can't do it. NHL players can't do it. MLB players can't do it. When you're leading or when you're up a set, you feel better they feel they feel like they need to work harder to come back and and you have you have score effects you you have the team that's behind plays better than the team that's ahead and you have to be much better for that to 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 be a thing so them winning in a drubbing and losing the next set is not necessarily uncommon and i feel like if they would have won that first set 21 19 they might not have dropped the second set because they 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 did kind of come out like fine and and ali son i think like you know eight points into that first one was like yeah we're gonna try set two because uh he kind of already, you know, he whacked a couple balls dead center in the block that like he never hits. Like he's too good to hit that ball. Um, but one thing that Anders Mole has added this tournament, which I was really impressed with, because I, um, like, this sounds weird to say, uh, improving his blocking <laughs> um, is Anders Mole in this tournament for the first time really started going to the well of independently blocking with with two different arms. Um, Anders Mole is exceptional at getting two hands on all the balls, um, which, which makes blocking hits for him. He gets some thunderous blocks. He does an amazing job. He can contort his body. He's way up there, can do that. But adding the stress of an attacker, if Anders can continue to do what he's doing of now making his hands move independently, hanging a hand in the line to swat that line over while leaving the hand in the angle to, to block your big hit adds an extra level of stress when you can't think to yourself, I see one hand, right? That means the other hand is there too. Nope. The other hand is somewhere else operating independently. And um, that's going to make things v even more difficult for attackers trying to get around Honor's Mole uh, as, as he keeps refining that. I, I find that one thing that Norway just does really well is that they're, they're always pretty much like always in system in, in, in a way that they always know what they're doing. They, they always have a level head and they always have, you know, an opposite reaction to whatever the other team is doing. And that, you know, when they do get caught off guard, another team does come back and win the set that they they just kind of like calmly like brush it off and, and move on. I very, very rarely see them rattled.
Yeah, I, yeah, totally agree. They're they're super calm. Um, I actually have been impressed um, with with their, you know, I mean, they, they haven't lost in like you said, like almost two years. So it's pretty easy to be like, ah, we're fine. Um, but uh, yeah, they're super calm. They can have many points go the other way, and and they just like roll back into it. And um, their embrace, um, Christian Sorum's. I mean, obviously playing with Anders for so long and then being friends is, is helpful. But Christian Sorum's ability to to just to just let Anders be Anders and him be himself. It's it's a very interesting dynamic. They uh, weirdly enough, they, they don't, they don't intentionally play a lot of like team defense in the sense of Anders is up there trying to block every single ball. Like his, he is not like, what is my blocking strategy? My blocking strategy is I'm going to block everything. And then Christian Storm's defensive strategy is I'm going to go try to dig stuff. So it's a very different dynamic. I mean, I remember when I was first learning beach volleyball and watching beach volleyball, there was all these conversations about the funnel and don't take balls away from diggers and like all these things, but people hit the ball too hard in the world tour. Now uh, I think the stats are if, if a ball gets hit past a blocker, you're about, it's about 10% of the time that you're going to make a dig, get a set and side that ball out. Dang. If a ball's hit past with pace. So that means that, as a blocker, you could get tooled 17 times out of 20. But if you made three blocks, you're statistically ahead of letting any of those balls get hit past you. Wow. That's so that's a crazy stat. Yeah. So I, I it's uh it's it's interesting in the sense of that is where the, the game is evolving towards is go like don't if somebody's gonna hit the ball hard, you can't let it get past you. Because the odds of getting a dig and then getting a set and transition that ball are so low that you're better just to try to go get the block. And I, I think that's where it's evolving. And um, when we get in the women's side, we'll talk about this, but I, 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 I fully believe that that's where, that's where Brandy's trying to take the game on the women's side as well, which I appreciate. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. We'll definitely, but... we'll definitely get into the women's side yeah. a, a little bit. Um, one, two teams that I've been very impressed with so, so far and one team that I've been, underwhelmed by uh the teams that i've been impressed by so so far sharif and ahmed from qatar obviously they've they've lost in the finals both times to uh uh Mullen sorum so they're right out there they're actually sitting on the outside of the olympic race but the way that they've been playing now and especially since Mullen sorum aren't going to be playing in this upcoming tournament i think it's theirs to win um uh, another team your favorite everyone loves them Karabula rossi um, lost in the quarterfinals to the aforementioned Sharif and Ahmed in, in the, the first uh, tournament. And then I believe they got third. No, they got fourth, losing to Alisson and Navarro Fio, Fio in, in the, the, that bronze medal match the, the other day on, Sunday, or on Monday. But still, a team that has really been turning, another team that's really been turning it on. A team that's really been underwhelming me is world, championship, uh, world champions uh, Stoyanovsky and Krasilnikov. Yeah, so I, uh, Krasilnikov is my first pick in our fantasy draft. Uh, huge fan of Krasilnikov. Um, but, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was banged up a little bit for a while. Uh, when they were doing the king of the court, he wasn't playing. Stoyanovsky was playing with um, Brower, if I'm correct on that. So I know he took some time off. Um, oddly enough, I think as a team, they struggled with the win quite a bit. Um, the setting from both 
the setting from Stoyanovsky was was not up to standard for him. I, I don't think. I don't think he's a bad setter by any means. I just thought it, it wasn't great, and I don't know. Maybe they just didn't uh, weren't jiving or, or whatever. But um, yeah, they were they were not good, and it was very looking un Krasilnikov like. Um, but I do feel that push comes to shove when he wants to win, it uh, it might happen. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's my feeling too. Is that. I always feel that maybe for Krasilnikov, when things aren't necessarily on the line, he's not necessarily 100% there. I think he's one of those players that needs that pressure and needs that big stage to really thrive. Because, you know, I remember the first time that I really zoned in on him was the 2017 World Championships um, in, in Austria. And that's who Ben and Ben and Kane lost to in in the quarterfinals. But they he was an absolute baller that entire tur- tournament. Uh, this is Chris Olnikov. He was playing with Liam in at the time, um, and and I think Stoyanovsky's as well too. I mean, he's the biggest blocker on tour. He's what seven foot two. He's an absolute monster, right? So I think when you when you pair those two together, I think that they just tend to kind of mosey their way through tournaments and that but once it gets to the big stage like a world championships like the olympics that's coming it's coming down later this year that they've already qualified for through that world championship win that's when i really think that we're going to see the best of that that german pair because so far they lost they lost in uh round two to sharif and ahmed in 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 the uh first tournament the first tournament was definitely better won their pool lost in round two um but then in tournament number two they lost their first match to a brand new Dutch team that I've never even heard of before who made it an, an insane run all the way to the quarters and then lost in round one to try and Trevor. Yeah. So, I mean, try and Trevor is a tough matchup for anybody, right? I mean, they're a weird, weird pool matchup. They're, they're a really good team, just solid and all on all counts. But, um, you know, I, I really, when I watched them play both these tournaments, I really felt the like, ah, we're just out here to knock the rust off vibe. Um, you know, get, get our feet wet, see what some people have, um, you know, hoping to, to see some people's kind of maybe new stuff that they, they came up with during COVID last year as other teams are prepping for the Olympics. And um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I think, you know, it's easy to say there's, there's 20 grand on a tournament online, but if you're supported by your Federation financially, like, does it really matter? No. Right. And when they, when they don't, when they're like, when the Russian Federation is like, you know, gold medal or bust um, you know, there could be things there. We also don't know, um, this tournament is always weird. All sports this year are weird in the sense of we, we, we don't know who's had COVID and who hasn't, you know what I mean? In a lot of cases, um, we don't know who's had weird recoveries. Um, you know, we're, we're hearing from NBA guys that now have puffers and things that have never had them before and, and things like that. So, you know, there, there could be some situations there. Um, but I, I just really got the vibe that they were like, ah, let's just get our feet wet, knock some rust off. We'll play a couple of tourneys in Cancun. We'll fly home. We'll get better. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think so too. I think... From what I saw, that they might be out of the next tournament. They are. They, yeah, they, not they, in the next tournament. They are one of the withdrawn teams. I mean, Mullen Storm didn't even sign up for tournament number three. Uh, they're out. So are, are Bruno and Evandro. We saw Bruno really struggle this week. And and he's a guy who who suffered from COVID as well. Um, no no uh, Bruno uh, and Evandro. No Perusik Schweiner, uh, which sucks for, for my uh, fantasy team. No Plavins Talks. No Emakora Prestaus, who made a run all the way to the bronze medal match in, in the first tournament. Didn't even get a qualifier in the second tournament. No Sider Waller um, for Austria. And they're kind of right in the thick of, of the uh, Olympic, Olympic race. So quite a few teams not participating in this third tournament and it's it's interesting to me yeah i mean i I feel like a few of them might be like 
I mean, I don't know. Saito Waller might have just felt like they didn't have it, or, or maybe the wind was the winds and conditions was tough for them. But um, you know, some of these teams that are that, that are just on the outside, you know, uh, they might need you know fifths to improve their performance, right, or something like that. And if they're like, we don't have it right now, like we're getting bounced in quarters, or we're not making qualifiers, like we're gonna go fly home, we're gonna take a rest, you know, we're gonna show up to Sochi ready to go, um, because it's I, I'm in. I'm impressed that all, all the women's teams are still in because, man, it, it is a physical battle. And, and while this bubble was cool, like, like, how many of these teams have played this much volleyball in this short amount of time ever? Yeah, I mean, even if that added That's stuff crazy. like Clays and Sponsor or some of the American teams that have to play country quota today, then have to play qualifier and then have to run through the tournament too, like, that's just gnarly. It, it It's just straight up gnarly. I, 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 I do wish that maybe they had just stuck to a, a traditional FIVB schedule, um, you know, not having finals on a Monday Monday afternoon would have been great. Um, yeah, uh, you know, just for, it, it really kind of shows to me how the FIVB, when it comes to beach volleyball, doesn't care about media. They don't care about TV rights. They don't. They don't care about getting in front of people because otherwise, like every other sport, is dictated by when can we get on TV. And with this tournament, it's just kind of been like, yeah, we're going to do it, and it's going to be on YouTube. And, and I mean, hey, it's been great that it's been on YouTube, but maybe we should start investing a little bit more so that we don't, you know, we can keep the one English guy, Louis Lett, who knows what he's talking about, but the other two who just kind of sit there and treat it like a soccer match and say something every five minutes, like, let's get rid of them. And, you know, let's get some a real broadcast broadcast going on. But that's all I'm going to say about the media side uh, of this Cancun of this Cancun bubble so far. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been enjoying the fact it's on YouTube, but I totally agree. I mean, it's 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 interesting in that sense. I mean, I my wife's watched more volleyball this week than she probably ever has, other than when maybe I'm coaching or some of my teams are playing or I'm playing. But um, uh, she's been enjoying it for the visuals and obviously the high level volleyball. But yeah, I mean, running stuff on a Monday is like they're just like, well, whatever. We don't like they're just literally broadcasting that it doesn't really matter to them. Yeah. Um, uh, eyeballs and things like that so yeah i mean they're uh it is what it is the visuals look good um i'm assuming that's the the city of cancun kicked a bunch of money in for this for basically what's a three-week advertising for let's go here because even kids in my class i've been having volleyball on the tv basically on loop for the last two weeks and they're all like i'm telling my parents we're gonna go to cancun so i feel like i'm uh Really might kick some money their way in the next couple of years. Well, kids of Seymour class, let me tell you about my experiences in Cancun. You can, you can. No, 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 no. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. We you can go there and sit by the pool and have a wonderful time with your family. Yeah, sure. With your family. Absolutely. <laughs> now, jumping into some of our Canadians, uh, we're going to talk about the men first because we're, we're talking about the men. It's been a mediocre outing at best so far uh, for the men. Uh, round one was pretty terrible, I, I won't lie. Neither of the teams, Platinka Nussbaum, um, Pedlo Schachter not getting out of qualifier, and then um, Saxon O'Gorman getting one, two barbecued in, in pool play. Yeah, I mean, I think first term was tough. I, I, um, I yeah, you know what? I'm going to harp on this. I mean, this is what happens when you train indoors. Uh, I mean, this is... Yeah. This is what happens. You show up at an international tournament that's on the beach. And I know that Sam and Sam, you know, spent a, a couple weeks in Florida and, and Ben and Grant had spent uh, a little bit or, or Grant specifically had spent some, or Ben and Grant had spent some time in Brazil. Um, but, you know, six months of reps 
inside is not is not helpful nope. um, to anyone. And um, and th this is what happens. I mean, if if the tournament had zero wind or very little wind, I, I feel like results, especially first week, might have been a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But in this situation, I mean, I don't know what else we could expect from the guys, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, just with the situation they were stuck in. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it, it has been difficult for them because they are, you know, transitioning. You know, they don't get to go to Tenerife um, like a bunch of the, the European teams do. Um, and I mean, like that, like I, we do have to say that with a caveat, because at the same time, we just spent all this time ogling over Molensorum and they train indoors quite a bit of the time in, in Norway. Uh, but they do go down to Tenerife quite, quite often. And that new kind of hotbed, which is almost better. I would say it's better on the men's side to go to Tenerife than it is to go to Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, which is crazy that 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 crazy. That, that shift has, has been making. But the how good the European teams and the young European teams like the, the 19 year old Swedes has just been absolutely uh, it, it has been phenomenal to watch. Tournament number two for the men's teams was definitely better. Sam and Sam make it through pool play. They they do qualify or make it through the, the qualifier. Uh, they do qualify. Uh, unfortunately, go 0-2 uh, in their pool. They had a really big one um, to potentially get out of it against Kratinger and Breer and, and just couldn't pull it out. Yeah, they had a really, really tight battle. I was actually uh, impressed with Kratinger and Breer. I didn't know a ton about them going in. Obviously, I've heard of them. I've seen a couple games they played, but I, I was impressed with, um, uh, I guess, how tight their game is. They're like, not a lot of errors on their side. Not a lot of like, oh my God, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. But like, just like, just steady and they got the job done. Um, I think Sam and Sam did a good job at knocking some rust off after, um, you know, tournament one and, and getting some, getting some, you know, tournament action, which we haven't, you know, they haven't seen. That's the other thing too, right? I haven't seen for a while. Um, and so, so that was, so that was good. And, and they, they did do better, but it, it, yeah, just, just not quite there and a tough match. I, I think you could probably, you know, people would look back at like a couple points right at the end saying like, you know, it kind of got away from them, but um, I think they had their opportunities to, to do thing. I just think that, um, you know, Kratig and beer just, I, they didn't, they didn't really screw up. They didn't really open the door and let Sam and Sam come through too much. Right. They, they left a crack there, but they didn't like, you know, give it away. And I think that was, uh, that was a uh, tough out in the end, but. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. It's been it's been tough for them. Um, I've I've noticed especially you know, it, it seems like Sam's blocking like when Sam Pedlo's blocking is on like what was against Italy in, in that last qualifier match like they're doing well but you know playing against Sharif and Ahmed and both both uh, Ahmed and uh, Crowdinger are very tall and could just kind of kind of go OT over Pedlo. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Ahmed just jumps unbelievably well. I, I, I that that guy amazes me. I, I think he's the fastest defender on tour, and I actually don't think it's close. Um, don't shoot on Ahmed. That is the oh. that is the thing I'll tell you. If you're scouting Cutter, do not shoot on Ahmed. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> he will dig you. Ahmed is the defender. Sharif is the the blocker. You're right. Yeah, I I, I, I did yeah. make I did make that mistake, but I, yeah. I do have high hopes for them. Uh, coming into tournament number three, they are directly into the main draw, um, yep. due to due to all of those teams moving out. So they get another day of rest, and I, I'm hoping I I think that this one's going to be be their tournament. Now for Ben and Grant, they really took advantage of Bruno and Evandro coming in, not looking great. Won that first uh, match against against the Brazilians, and then really put up a really good fight against Cantor and Loziak, winning that first set 21-19, and then a 15-8 third set, losing to um 
the you know one of one of the top teams on tour yeah i totally agree i was i was extremely impressed with uh, ben and grant in tournament too i thought the the game came together it's the best i've seen ben play um i mean well obviously i haven't seen him play in a year but it's best i've seen him play in i think a couple years um i thought grant was on and in control um and you know they're 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 a tough team to beat um when they're when especially when you know when grant's siding out well because because most teams are still going at grant um and they're 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 a handful and and their game against Cantor Lozak showed it. Um, they're, I don't want to say, uh, you know, I don't want to be, you know, mean to mean to Bruno, but their their uh, their ability to recognize early whether they had a pre-scouting report or not that Bruno didn't have it and just attacked him at every, basically eliminated Evandro from the game uh, was incredibly impressive. Um, so if they didn't have a pre-scouting report, like, props to them for just being like, nope. We're going to make Bruno beat us, and Bruno was in, unable to. Um, and then really, really good win against uh, Spain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that round one uh, matchup against against Spain was some of the best volleyball I've seen Ben Saxon play in a long time. Uh, they lost the first set 21-15, and I was kind of like, oh, here we go. But they came back, bounced back, a 21-15 win for themselves and then that third set was an absolute battle and I haven't statted it maybe you have but Grant O'Gorman was almost perfect on side out he was an absolute monster and he he was siding out at almost every single ball very very efficiently yeah I mean that they were so good against Spain and I actually sent Grant a quick message after the game and I just said uh I just said you know with a sky ball and a jumbo there's a no way you were going to lose that match like there's no way karma was going to let you uh volleyball karma was going to let it happen but yeah I totally agree I don't remember um many side outs that that Grant missed uh if any uh he was he was on fire uh Ben's setting was was strong um and yeah, I mean, it was an interesting match because that match had a real um, head tailwind. There's a real good side, bad side. Yeah, um, there was a couple six one sides and things you just don't see on the world tour. Um, but especially in set two and the final set, they were able to when they, especially when they needed to, was to steal enough points on the bad side that when they got the good side, they could they could put it away because um, they got to the uh, they ended up on the bad side. Uh, they ended up on the bad side. I think up thirteen twelve. I think. And I was like, Oh, that's tough. Like they've got a, you know, they've got to steal two to stay alive. Like they've got to steal two to stay alive on the bad side and they were able to do it. And so, um, that's, that's a, a testament to, to them and some really good blocking by Ben and some, and some great, great side art work from Grant. Yeah. I was really impressed. I think if they could, they could harness that, uh, they'd be in good shape. Um, and I felt like them moving on from there, they then played, uh, Karen Bula Rossi and, uh, uh, that sky ball in the dark. I mean, I don't. How how do you how do you how do you see that right? Especially you, you especially can't. if he's serving it, and we can't really tell because of the cameras. But I'm assuming he's serving it over the height of the lights. So you're, yeah, you're waiting for it to come down into the lights, and then you have to react. And yeah, yeah. It, it's something gnarly. I was hoping we would see uh, Grant pull out the sky ball a little bit too. Like I would have loved to see that. Like. Karambula go off the, the sky ball and then Grant go, put pull off the sky ball. Um, I, I thought that would have been a little bit fun, but we didn't didn't see it as much. Yeah, I, I feel like that. I was hoping for that too, knowing how much trouble that uh, you know Ben and Grant were, were seeing with it. I actually think that uh, you know I, I kind of was on the YouTube to, tube chat there and I was 
kind of making jokes about Grant handling the sky ball, no problem. Because I actually think in the circumstances, Grant passed the sky ball incredibly well. And then, um, uh, you know, no jokes, Garrett May uh, was like, well, actually, they've had like five shanks. I'm like, Grant, Garrett, I'm watching the game too, man. I'm just like trying to pump up the crowd here, you know. But anyways, uh, so, yeah, so I think – uh, ben struggled with it for sure. Grant, I mean, you know, Grant's got a sky ball. He's been at Kits a lot. He's seen a ton of sky balls. Like in the, in the daylight, I mean, Grant's going to pass a 2.5 on that sky ball all day. Um, but with that, with that serving it over the lights, I mean, I, in that amount of wind, I, I'm baffled, baffled that they even, they passed the ones they passed. Like it was, must've been a handful, but I do think Grant throwing up the sky ball back is, uh, it's interesting because I, I believe that, like, I know that Grant's got a really good sky ball. It's accurate. It's high. It's got a lot of spin. Um, but I do feel, I wonder, and I'll ask him about this, but I, I do wonder if it's like, you know, he doesn't want to be like, oh, you're just skyballing because you're playing against, you know, Karambula, like, you know, kind of have that uh, thing going. I don't, I don't think Grant really thinks about that stuff, but I'm going to ask him because that's sometimes a, sometimes a complicated thought, right? You don't, you want to stick to your game. You don't want to get sucked into somebody else's, but I do think that this would be an underrated part of Grant's game. Uh, if you wanted to bust it out more often, not just because I love sky balls, but because I actually think it's an effective weapon, especially if you're going to play under the lights. Well, especially too, because I've, I've talked to Grant about his sky ball and I know that he has the ability, you know, he's broken it down for me about how he has different ways to carve the ball, depending on the different scenarios or what he wants it to do, do or something like that. Maybe he's just not as comfortable with it as, as his other, other serve. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe we're going to see that even more so in the, in the third tournament. I, I hope so anyways. I, I really think that this third tournament is going to be a big opportunity uh, for both Canadian teams to potentially to potentially gain some points here uh, in, in that Olympic standing with, with all of those teams out now that they've got their, their outside legs underneath them a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think that there's, you know, there's a, there's a chance there. Like I said, we saw some glimpses of Sam and Sam. Um, of like, you know, getting, getting the feel again and, and Ben and Grant played really well. So I, I do hope that there's a, there's a chance. I mean, it, it all depends on the draw um, with them, with how the draws have been shaken out. I mean, there's been some really tough pools that teams have got stuck in and, yeah. you know, Cantor Loziak rolling into tournaments is like the 30 seed really puts a wrinkle on some things. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been tough. So we'll really, we'll really take a look at the draw, but I absolutely think that, um, you know, I, I would hope for a, a fifth or better. That's my that's my projection okay. for one of the teams. All right, there we go. Now jumping into this next tournament, uh, starting with the qualifier, um, there's going to be two Canadian men's teams uh, in the qualifier. Sam and Sam have moved up to the main draw. Um, your good friend, and my good friend as well too, the real deal, Jake McNeil, and his partner, Will Hoey, have made it into the bubble. They were there training throughout the last tournament. Unfortunately, though, as the FIVB has shown us with three back-to-back -back, uh, Canada matchups between uh, Pavin, and, Pavin and Melissa and then Bansley and Brandy, it is going to be an all-Canadian first-round uh, matchup. So good old, good old uh, Jake and Will get to go all the way down to the Cancun bubble, and the first tournament, first game that they play, they get to play the guys that they've been playing all for however long up at Downsview. Uh, Aaron Nussbaum and Mike Platanga. And Nussbaum and Platanga have, they've been close. You know, they, they've, both of their losses in the qualifier have gone to, gone to three in, in tight matches and they just haven't been able to, uh, to, to close it out. So maybe hopefully that playing against a team that they know well now, they're going to be able to rock it out and a team that hasn't really played a match outside yet. 
no offense, yeah. no offense to Jake and, and Will. Of course, if they win, I will be equally as happy. But I do think that they are at a disadvantage this time around. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think so as well. I mean, you know, Mike and Aaron have played, uh, I guess, four matches now, right, in uh, in Cancun. So, um, you know, they, they're more used to the wind, more used to the weather, more used to the sand temperature, all that stuff. So they're going to have a little bit of advantage. Um, you know, Will and Jake would have had this week outside, and that's about it. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the wind does. Um, I think that uh, Mike and Aaron made some good adjustments between Tournament 1 and Tournament 2. Uh, tournament one, it was very indoor volleyball. Um, they were digging, passing balls really high. Uh, setting setting became a real handful for them. Uh, they they seemed to kind of calm that down in uh, in tournament two. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you would know better than I do what the stats are on these two playing head-to-head uh, downs view, but, um, or head-to-head in Toronto, but no um, yeah, no clue. Okay. So, I, I mean, I just, you know, I, I would give edge to Mike and Aaron just based on um, the fact that they've, you know, got four matches outside in Cancun already and, and Will and Jake don't. So, but uh, I love me some Jake McNeil. He knows that. So uh, if uh, I, I, I would, can't wait to see, can't wait to see how many high fives Will gets if, uh, if they do get a win or, or, or make the main draw. Uh, I think Will's hand might fall off. Yeah, you're right. The, the winner of that one will be taking on Huber Dressler uh, out of Austria in in uh, round two of the qualifier. I, I think one of the biggest matches... Uh, doable. That's doable. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I, I definitely agree. Now, um, looking at... Let, let's see. Uh, Kame and Theo are going to be taking on match number 14. So Israel versus Metral Hausner, uh, that team from the, from Switzerland that took out Sam and Sam in, in the uh, qualifier um, the first time around. So that should be a, a good one. Bormans de Groot are going to be taking on Cardenas Espinosa. So the team, the the Dutch team that went all the way to the quarters is going to be taking on the Mexican team that took a set off of Mole and uh, Sorum. They're going to be taking on Poland, Rudolf Slankovic, uh, in in the uh, in round two as well. So uh, the the um, the uh, qualifier isn't as stacked as it as it has for the couple tournaments with all those teams uh, bumping out, but it's still going to be a decent qualifier, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and the Swedish kids, uh, Amen and Helvig, are still there. And 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 there's some good teams, man. It, it's a testament to, to both both draws. Um, how uh, you know how deep it is when we're seeing some of these teams in, in qualifiers, and and whether they whether they're they're in the qualifier because of country quota, but they would be otherwise, or or whatever reason. But um, just the just the the fact that you're getting teams on 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 both sides coming out of qualifiers and, and making deep runs is is showing you how deep deep world volleyball is getting in, in, you know, some non-traditional countries in that sense, um, you know, Mexico having, you know, now two, three good teams, right. You know, that you can always count on them to kind of have one good team. And now they've, you know, now they've got, you know, two solid teams and, and one pretty good team. So um, they're coming along. And um, so it's interesting. It's, it's going to be a, another good qualifier. I'll fire this thing up, uh, up tomorrow. It'll be on again on TV in my classroom all day. Man, you're, lucky, <laughs> you're lucky kids. I wish I was in your class back, back in the day. Maybe I would have done a little bit better in science. Um, that is, you know, one thing that I, I kind of wish maybe, maybe it's too much to ask in the FIVB, but is it too much to ask? Like you've got so many quality teams who are going to be there the entirety. Can't we run a two star simultaneously? You know, like it, it maybe like, like, let's just throw a couple, like you've got Whoa. all of that beach. Let's just throw, throw all that out and, and, and throw another two star out there. You don't, you don't think so? That's a really good idea. 
Okay. Yeah. See, I thought so. You're an ideas guy. That's a great idea. I, I am an ideas guy. I've always told yeah. I've I always told Densmore that I should be the assistant to the assistant I, I, I assistant to the ideas guy. Uh, your your good buddy Sandy, of course. Yeah, Sandy is the chief ideas guy. And, and I would never uh, in and, perpetuity. And, and, and I would never want to serve you know take away that spot. You know his his role yeah. in the Kits community and his role at the Vancouver Open in general and your role as well. Uh, I've said this many many times that. The, the Vancouver Open is by far one of my favorite events in the world, and I've, I've been to quite a few. Um, but the two of you on that center court, just going back and forth, the dueling mics, the commentary, the crowd interactions, it really ties it all together. You know, <laughs> it, it, it really is that perfect bow that maybe your aunt or something gives you for, for Christmas. Like, like it, it, ever, sure, the, the present is great, the wrapping is fantastic, but that bow just really ties it all together. And that's what I think you two are at the, at the, the Vancouver Open. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's it's a super fun event, and we've been bummed it it, it hasn't been around for for a couple of years. But we do promise we will be when we are allowed. We will be back bigger, better than ever. Uh, we're um, we've got some we've got some wrinkles. You know, no wholesale changes, but some wrinkles to throw in. Uh, probably starting uh, main draw matches on Friday night, um, Ooh, which is oh, going to be main awesome. Draw on Friday night. Yeah, uh, get the beer garden hop in Friday night. City of Vancouver has now purchased uh, wheelie bleachers that we're allowed to use, like on a semi truck that like fold out and make like grandstands. Uh, so it's going to be sweet. We're going to be back bigger and better than ever uh, when we're allowed to come back, and uh, it's going to be sweet. We're we got plans in the future, uh, and we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it local. We're going to keep it van open, and we're going to get international flair. Uh, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna run it ourselves. That's our main plan. You know what? As as we're uh, as we're talking about kids meet right now, I got to give a shout out to a uh, little bit a little bit of Skyball action right there. Good good shout, nice good shout out to uh, Skyball volleyball apparel out of Kids Beach. A Kids Beach logo started that up. Um, and uh, if you guys are interested, you guys can uh, get fifteen percent off of your purchase uh, when you use the code volleyball source at checkout. Wait, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know I could get fit. I'm gonna get fifteen percent off. Do it now. I uh, yeah, I've got uh, two Skyball things. Now. I got a hat and I got a toque. Both are great quality. They look cool. I love them. Uh, great guy, uh, Mike Hughes, who started that. Um, his uh, two kids, two young kids, will be volleyball forces in the future. I promise. Yeah. They're it, awesome. It is funny because I did the first time I met Mike Hughes uh, was during the Skyball competition. Uh, that you guys have at the Vancouver Open every year. Um, his kids were, were were running around. Sandy introduced me, and that was back in 2017, I think it was. And uh, yeah, so he started running it. I was like, "Yo, I love this." He was like, "Here's some stuff. Here's a here's a promo code if you want to give some people." So yeah, guys, go use that promo code 50 15 percent on if you got no tax. So yeah, it, it's 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 pretty fantastic. Really a no brainer. Local company, you know, shop smart, shop local, support Absolutely. support the community. Great idea. So support the Plus, host. it looks cool. Yeah, it does. It looks cool. It's it's my favorite hat, and I, I I wear it all the time, especially because I've I've got this like mane going on. I've got the longest hair. It's looking you know, good. You know, I'm almost like someone loves out there, like the Lion King. It's it's looking good. <laughs> um, are anything else to mention on on the men's side of stuff? Uh, on the men's side of things. Uh. No, I think I, I kind of tackled it all. I mean, I could talk volleyball for 14 hours, but nobody wants to see that. So uh, we can move on. Yeah, we, we can't move on. Let's move on to the women's side of, of things where our Canadian women have been doing much better. 
um, Mel and Sarah going all the way to the finals in, in the first tournament, falling and and falling uh, for ninth in in the uh, in the last tournament. A little bit, bit of a tough draw for them. For Brandy and Heather, I found that they have had maybe the toughest draw of anyone so far. Like they've lost four matches so far in the two tournaments. The matches they've lost to were Alex and April in pool play in the first tournament. Mel and Sarah twice to to end their tournament in uh, tournament one and in pool play in tournament number two. And then uh, um, another team that's already qualified for the Olympics, uh, Taliku Clancy and Maria Faye Artacho del Solaire. So they have been going on so hard. Like they've been, they've had one of the toughest schedules by far, and they've beaten teams like Carrie Walsh Jennings. They've beaten Lara Ludwig along the way. Like they've beaten good teams and just fallen to some of the top teams in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously this is going to sound like you know Canadian bias, but um, you know I, they're easily watching them play uh just on ability and, and pushing those top teams how they've pushed them um you know they're they're a top five team i'm very confident saying that like no problem uh they're just they just got drawed they got drawed twice hard yeah and hard and i got a lot of flack from my american and english friend when i we did the preview show by by saying that brandy and heather would be a dark horse for these tournaments uh, we haven't really seen that come to fruition yet. As we just said, they've had some tough matchups, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run at, at the Olympics. They're, they're that type of team. Brandy is the best blocker in the world. Heather is a multiple-time best defender in the world. And now that they've kind of been getting that un, under their belt a, a little bit more, I, I think they're, they're going to be ready to run. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think the wind. I think the wind has has not been great. I mean, I, we, we know for them, uh, not not on a ball control side, uh, just in the sense of, um, you know, Heather doesn't have the biggest hitting window, um, and so you know, um, Brandy I think was having a hard time putting her in in the slot and, slot sometimes. And but. on the other side of it, Brandy has such a huge hitting window that you need to jack that ball up for her. You can't just be. You can't run her a, as fast. Like she's almost like Shawan Vernon Evans on the indoor side in that sense, where that she needs a higher looping ball to be able to do all the cuts that she needs to do, and especially that two ball offense that that, that they employ. It's it's one that when Heather is passing it that uh, first touch really well, nice and high looping tight to the net, then Brandy has you know almost the entire court to swing at. But when it's that windy and it's that more difficult, like I think those are tough conditions for the, for that team to play in. Yeah, and I think when we depending on what happens with the wind, obviously this week, but when when they move into when they head to Sochi and they head to Stad and they head to uh, Tokyo, I mean they're not going to be in conditions this windy. None of those places are are right on the water like they are. And if they are, they'll have, you know, barricades or things up or in the Tokyo's case, they'll be in a stadium. So um, they, they, they're not going to see that kind of win. So I, I totally agree. I think they're a real dark horse and, and kind of jumping on the thing from Andres Mole from before uh, about Brandy is, is I, I Brandy. So when people say Brandy's the best block in the world, I, I think one, I agree. And two, I, I, I'm not sure that people understand, necessarily understand why like she gets a lot of blocks but she gets a lot of blocks because she's kind of doing the same thing on her moles doing she's trying to block every ball and that sounds really weird to say um it sounds like well obviously blockers should try to do that but but she is she is so explosive and, and so dynamic that that she is making adjustments in air uh she's really good eye work like really really good eye work up there um she's making adjustment in the air and like and, and disrupting people and and that's something that uh i think people forget about blocking is blocking is not 
you know, just about taking space and it's not just about, um, you know, I got, I got a block line. I'm going to go block line. Blocking is about making the other team do something they don't want to do. And, and she's does such a good job at that. And then with how good of a defender, um, Heather is, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think there's a lot of scenarios where, where, where they're easily, easily in a, in a top five scenario. And, and if they don't get stuck with a horrible draw, I mean, I think we could see it in, in hub number three, but if not, we'll see it in, uh, you know, I'm assuming they're going to go, but we'll see it in Sochi and Stad for sure. Um, the other thing that I think hurting them in the wind a little bit too, is, uh, there, Sarah, Sarah and, uh, Mel do the same thing, but basically anytime Brandy's blocking on the right side, um, they're trying to bait people into cross shots essentially. Um, and then they get dug and then now it's left shoulder inside the court and it's, it's two ball city. And in this wind, it just doesn't allow for the higher dig. It doesn't allow, it's a little harder to control that ball. And it really took a big chunk out of their offense. Um, when I watched them in Vegas in 2018, let's call it, does that sound right? October, 2018. Um, uh, I mean, I made a joke to Leonard that I thought they were like a thousand for a thousand on that play. Like it was disgusting. Like no one, like not a single team had like made a dig on that play once in the whole tournament. I, I watch every one of their matches and anytime the ball got hit crossed and, and Heather put it up somewhere for Brandy to go into, it was like two steps off the net, three quick short steps. And then she's just up there with up there so high with all four corners available and she could chip it hit it whatever the other team is not not ready they're they're trying to figure out where they're going and it, it was like if, if if basically if she didn't hit it out of bounds it was a point like yeah. no one touched it it was it was incredibly impressive and i think the wind the wind takes a lot of that away which is which is tough i've talked about it before but you know brandy has such an unorthodox swing and it, it's it's definitely not textbook by any stretch of the imagination in fact i still remember interviewing brandy uh after i think they had just lost at the world tour finals in 2016 when that first tournament that she had played with heather right at, right after heather and, and and sarah had broken up and literally like brandy and i are in the middle of an interview and some dude comes up and he goes hey you're pretty good but you really need to fix your arm swing you're gonna be way better with a different arm swing and like we're in the middle of an interview and brandy's just like okay whatever dude like sure and i don't think she needs to fix that arm swing i think that the, because it's so unorthodox and the way that like it, it, it hinges that it just opens up shots for her and and allows her to hit balls that no one else in the world can and i mean as we said heather is so good and has such good ball control that she just gets the ball puts it up there and, and brandy is able to swing away it's it's really impressive and i really do think that that's a team to, to watch out for and that's a team that are definitely metal threats going into Tokyo. I mean, they were the, basically the number one team in the world through that 2018 um, run. I think they won eight medals or something like that in, in 2018. So, you know, that's a team that knows how to win, has won, and can definitely get to, get to the podium, even though we haven't seen it recently. Yeah, totally agree. I, I and I and I it's you know, you know, Heather Heather is Heather and Heather's so good and, and she's been so good for so long. And I, I don't actually really see um, you know, any decline coming from Heather anytime soon. And, and I just feel that Brandy is, is just like getting better. Like she's on a rocket ship. And so, um, you know, I think that the, the potential is there for sure, um, for them to just, just keep improving. And I totally agree about Brandy's arm swing. I mean, you know, there's, it's like, we, we, you know, we try to teach, teach kids the, the perfect arm swing, but you know, sometimes there's a, there's an arm swing that works. And I agree with you, you know, 
if you uh, tore down her, her mechanics, could you uh, make it so she hits the ball like five kilometers an hour higher? Yeah, sure, maybe. But then you might lose a whole bunch of shots she can create uh, because, of, because of that. And it's also really hard to read. I've tried to watch on film and try to figure out where she's hitting balls and uh, I don't know. And I'm like pausing it, <laughs> like trying to figure it out. And, and, and she, and she doesn't know. And, or, and, and well, she knows, but and it's so hard to read. So I think that's like a big thing. And, and um, I, you know, one of the other things that I talked to, you know, I talked to Leonard about when we were in uh, Vegas was I actually asked him if it was part of their game plan to basically serve the other teams, uh, serve the other teams left side, because then Brandy's on the right side of the court. Um, and you know, he's like, well, I really thought about that, but you know, I think that's a real weapon and I, and, uh, it'd be interesting to know if you actually sat down and statted it, um, at what point does the left side or at what, like how much better does the left side attacker have to be to not serve them? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because on that side of the court, you have that two ball option. And then the other team, the question is, is should I just run a back set every time then to take Brandy's left shoulder out of the game? I mean, Maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. Can we delete that so world tour teams don't see that? Because that's what I would do. I wouldn't let, I wouldn't let Brandy or Sarah ever block on the right side of the court. I mean, I, 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 do, think <laughs> Personally. That, I, I do think that world tour teams, A, are you know, uh, doing their own film. And uh, I do think you're a smart guy, but I, I don't necessarily think that people doing film for a living are, are not – picking up on this and i don't think they're also paying attention to to the show either yeah that's good i mean yeah i mean honestly i i, I will say you know maybe not the show but uh you'd be surprised at how many people uh just look at volleyball the same way it's been looked at because that's the way we've looked at it for a long time well i think that's why we're seeing such a transition on the men's side where like the north americans and the brazilians aren't as dominant because europe is just taking it to a whole n another level and i mean they've got the funding and they've you know they've got all, all of these different things but you know especially on the men's side it's another level on the women's side the, the ncaa is really bolstering north american teams and and totally. i think that's what's going why it's going to continue it but yeah it's 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 very interesting to, to watch the progression of the sport as it's getting bigger faster stronger um it's it's a lot of fun to watch moving on to sarah and and uh and mel they go all the way to the finals in, in tournament number one, lose to Brazil, Talita, and, and, and Tiana Lima, and then a ninth in, in the last tournament. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of okay with these results. I'm okay with them struggling a little bit right now. You know, I, I know that they probably aren't and because they're competitors and, you know, they want to win. But A, I think that the women's side is way more open than, than the men's side. I can probably think of eight or nine teams who are legitimate metal threats heading into Tokyo. Um, but I also think that, you know, they are a team that has already qualified and they kind of know who they are and it's about fine tuning. So right now to me, if they're not having that success and, and realistically losing to Borgo Suda, like Borgo Suda is a team that has like, they were on a mission, you know, they, they played a fantastic game against Mel and Sarah. And I think that's what, what I would boil down to it. But for me, it just, it just shows that they're still working on things and they're looking to peak come August. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it kind of goes back to the, the Chris Ilnikoff conversation other than I don't think Sarah and Mel are disinterested at all. Um, I think it's just, you know, they're out there first tournament in a long time. Let's knock some rust off. Let's kind of feel things out. And I actually agree with you. I, I do feel that this, this actually might be, might be best results. I think that, um, 
especially how they lost um, that match, actually both those matches, the, the ones to knock them out of the tournaments, the, the gold medal match and then the, uh, the ninth place match. Um, I think how they lost them is actually really good for them going forward, um, especially the Borger Sude match. That was like a, that was, you know, one of the first times that we've seen a team relentlessly go at Sarah. And uh, knowing what time a competitor and and person Sarah is, like work ethic wise, I think that that is actually going to do that team uh, an incredible, uh, give them an incredible boost co coming into Tokyo, um, because she's not going to be stoked um, at the passing performance, um, you know, in the, in that in that moment. And and I know the work that they're going to put in uh, leading up to Tokyo is going to be huge for them. Um, and if if if, if <laughs> If we can, if if we can get teams to think that uh, uh, serving Sarah is the way, go for it. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's serve Sarah, and uh, let's let the best female setter in the world dish uh, butter. Dish butter. Yeah, just just straight yeah. nectar because yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's what's gonna eventually gonna happen. And I I also don't mind teams thinking that they can beat Mel and Sarah. Because I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, Mel and Sarah can go to that next level. Like, I don't think this is we're seeing 100% from them. You know, I, I think it's, it's yep. actually the same thing with, with Heather and Brandy and that they're still going to be working, working through some things. Especially got that, that crew of Brazilian coaches who used to coach Agatha and Barbara, right? So I, I, I really think that, you know, both of, both of the Canadian female teams are, are building up to something. Yeah, I totally agree. And I actually think that Sarah and, and Mel, well, um, you know, they're, I mean, you know, I talked about the wind being a hand, like, it's not like they're bad in the wind. It's just, you know, that it makes the two ball game harder. Uh, it makes it harder on bump setters, um, you know, which, which both uh, Sarah and Brandy are. And so uh, moving, you know, moving to more traditional FIVB locales with, you know, lesser wind or, or, you know, inside stadiums, uh, they are going to absolutely be a handful come tokyo so yeah I, i'm I, pretty excited i definitely agree uh, a few teams um that have popped out well one team especially that's popped out for me makrozuva kolomina out of russia going all the way to the finals beating alex and april in the semis um alex and april of course getting bronze um what did they get in the first tournament let me let me go back and check here alex and april oh they lost they got a ninth they lost to they lost to uh clancy artacho del Soler, um who beat them um late uh, afterwards uh uh that result flipped for for tournament number two but those are those are two yeah. teams that I, I think obviously have the potential to win I, I don't think you can ever discount april ross at at, at any point um no. but you have some interesting notes on on agatha and duda yeah i mean i am i mean i've obviously watched um i've obviously watched agatha and duda play before um i am in complete awe at how hard in other international teams are working to not let Duda touch the ball. Um, they would rather hit it out of bounds or get blocked than Duda make a dig. Uh, Duda in transition, uh, or if any team accidentally serves her, is basically automatic. Um, as dominant a volleyball player as I've seen uh, either gender uh, ever. I mean, it, it's... It's just like, oh, made a dig. Like, okay, just chalk the point up, basically. It's it's impressive. And 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 when they've lost, it's because teams have found a way 
to not let her play volleyball, just kind of the same way that Ben and Grant, you know, kept Evandro out of the game completely. Um, and it's, it's very interesting. And that's actually really hard to do with a defender. Um, usually you can keep a blocker out of the game, you know, you don't serve them and you, you know, you work around them and you make the defender beat you. But uh, when you have a defender that that's dominant, that's that dominant offensively, it's, it's mind blowing. And, 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 and if, if Agatha can just be steady, um, you know, I mean, they, they got to be considered, you know, they're right up there. I mean, obviously they're ranked really high as well, but like they're right up there with like teams to teams that, you know, none of us would be shocked if they win gold, the gold medal. Absolutely not. I mean, we are talking about the top female Brazilian team, right? So like they, it's like Canada and hockey. You always expect them to, to, to be in, yeah. the, in the medal round or Lewis Hamilton in F1. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's easy to say, but I, it's just crazy to me. I mean, it, how i mean watching um you know wa- watching teams play them and just just other brazilian teams everybody just like nope like duda you don't get to play volleyball like they are just trying to like minimize her contacts to to the nth degree to the point of like honestly sometimes putting themselves at disadvantage um you know like oh that line over is open i am not gonna hit it because she still might dig me right it, it's it's an interesting it, it was kind of an interesting thing and obviously i'm not on their heads and i don't know but it, that's what it looked at looked like from from afar and um and yeah, this was the first time that I, I've, you know, really watched um, due to that closely and, and incredibly impressed. And, you know, then you remember she's, you know, early 20s, 22, 23, like you're like, oh, OK. <laughs> One team I haven't been so impressed of, uh, press impressed by uh, is the other Brazilian team is Rebecca and uh, and Anna Patricia. Um, they just, you know, I, uh, they just they seem lazy out there. You know, like they, they, they seems like points come easy to them and they're not working as hard as other teams. Maybe that's just my bias, but uh, yeah, just not haven't been impre- that impressed by them so far. Yeah, I, I wonder how much uh, uh, the wind is is impacting them as well. It shouldn't too much. You know, they're playing in Brazil all the time, but, you know, it, it might bring them back down to earth a little bit. But, I, you know, I, I kind of look at them as, uh, as you know, they'll, they'll show up when it matters uh, as well. Um, but I, I agree. I think that they, they do have a tendency to, to idle through games and sometimes get snuck up on, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to beat this team. You know, we're ranked 15 spots higher. And then they, they kind of get snuck up on, but they're also young and, and, and they'll learn and, and, you know, they're, you know, they're Brazil too. I mean, they're obviously not bad. So, but I agree. I think they were uh, a little out of it this tournament. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, uh, we did see Anna Patricia roll her ankle in tournament number one, so maybe that has played a factor into it. But she did get up from that hit and and kind of move on. So we're, we're not entirely sure. We'll 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 keep on looking. The uh, American race has been interesting to watch, especially because Clay's and Sponsel have had to play in in the uh, the qualifier. But I really do think that um, you know Brooke Sweat and Kerry Walsh Jennings are going to take that number two spot there for the United States. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Kerry Walsh would just like somehow like manifest it at the end or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if we if we go in, if we end up in Stad and they need a third, like you can basically pencil them in for a third. Like, I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm I'm giving her too much credit on the, the hype of Kerry Walsh, but you know, she's been there before. She's such a good player. She's you know she's so calm and and in control. And I know a lot of people kind of were like, eh, you know, when she partnered up with Brooke Sweat, but they both know each other and, and, and Brooke doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And that's a perfect partner for, for Carrie because Carrie's going to get her blocks and she's going to get her kills and she's going to get her aces. And so if the other person she's playing with can just 
you know, be there and be steady, they're in real good shape. Now, going back to right after um, Carrie and April Ross uh, split up, um, Carrie had asked Sarah Hughes to partner, and Sarah Hughes turned her down. Do you think she's, you know, do you think she's, you know, regretting that a little bit? Because Sarah Hughes and Summer Ross, they did have that great uh, run in the World Championships back in 2019. However, they haven't even been been able to make it out of the country quota uh, yet so far here in Brazil. I 100% think she's regretting that. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I haven't talked to her. Maybe there's like a, a real personality conflict there. I, I don't really see it. They 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 both seem like good people, but I, I don't really know them that well. So, um, but I, I, you know, it, it. I guess the question would be like, are you, you know, are are you turning down? Like, it feels like I want to take another shot at the next Olympics. Like, if you're some young American defender, are you turning that down? Yeah, know. probably not, I, right? If, or if, if you're Phil, like, well, yeah, if Phil's asking you, but the reality is, is I think Phil is past that point. You know, I think yeah. Phil is already at that point where he's like, I'm playing with my boy, I'm playing with Nick yeah. Lucena, and that's kind of going to be all she wrote. Like, do I do yeah. I think that we're going to see Phil and Nick on the FIVB tour past this this uh, past twenty past Tokyo? I I, I would doubt it. You yeah, know? I would doubt it too. Like, yeah, how but much- I'm just, I was using that as kind of an example, right? I just like. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how you could have watched, you know, Carrie Walsh after her and April split up and said like, you know, she's cooked or something. I mean, she did have that shoulder issue, you know, she's had a couple of, but I don't know how you could have watched her play and been like, yeah, she's, she's done. But, you know, you never know. There could have been like training, uh, training things in there and that, but I mean, you know, I mean, Sarah, the cues would probably be a little bit more erratic than, than, than Brooke, uh, just a little bit younger, a little less experienced, but you know, I, I, I see that being a strong team as well. And it'd probably be Hughes and, and, um, Carrie going to, going to Tokyo. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely agree. I, I love the way that Sarah Hughes plays the game and I just don't find that Summer Ross and her are a good fit. You know, Hughes plays so fast. She's so physical. Like she bounces balls and Summer Ross just kind of goes through the motions. Like she never really develops the player to be like, the, you know, like I remember back when she was winning junior world championships back in like 2010, 2009. And everyone was like, she's the next Carrie Walsh. And she's just never really turned out to be that athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard. I mean, I think that's what's, I think that's another thing that's so impressive to you about Duda is like, she won like two U19 worlds in a row and then three U21 worlds and a junior Olympics. Like, you know, like, like Duda is like the, the, the Connor McDavid, LeBron James, you know, the Christine Sinclair of like being like, this person is amazing. But what, and then they're amazing. Not like, you know, they're really good when they were young and then they kind of plateaued, mm-hmm. you know, they've always been amazing. What's been really interesting too, is that two twice, both or two of those times when she won U19s is that she played against Macro Gozuva and Colomina in the finals. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So that's like that 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 match that that showdown that we saw in the finals on on Monday was has is has kind of been perpetually going on just kind of years and years and years. Kind that's of That's super cool. Didn't know that. Kind of the same way that Mel and uh Betchart have been going toe to toe because Bet Betchart and Betchart and Joanna Hydrick actually won uh, U21s in Halifax way back in the day, um, when when Mel and uh, and what's her face? Why can't I right? Can't I remember her name? Uh, Victoria Pischke? Altamar. Victoria Altamar. Altamar were, were playing again way back in the day before before even before the Pischke days. So it's right. it's kind of interesting how those those matchups in like junior days have perpetually just kind of continued on into on to the FIVB World Tour. 
Yeah, and that's kind of I think that's kind of the the evolution of of beach volleyball as it goes. It's no longer, you know, it's no longer like the you know the the offshoot of of indoor volleyball and we're not, you know, you're not seeing, you know, these great indoor or like not necessarily great good indoor players, you know, playing at the junior worlds that then go play 5 years of pro, 10 years of pro and then they're done. Like if you think in the Canada days like a Nick Del Bianco, like unbelievable beach player, but like indoor guy Right. And so, um, you know, and, and you're kind of now seeing, you're looking back, you're like, oh, like Amon Helvig, like doing damage at the youth worlds and then showing up on the world tour. And you're starting to see this, this be a thing. It's not no longer, let's just go to the beach worlds for fun in the summer. And then we'll go back to playing NCAA pro, you know, university indoor, whatever. Um, it's now like a thing. So I think we're going to see that more and more, which is actually really cool. And I, I, I would hope I would hope that the FIB starts, um, you know, finding a way to to live stream more of the junior stuff as well, um, it, it because has, it has been live streamed in the past. I'm pretty sure. Okay, it's just like I guess harder to find. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, it's the FIBB, so things are always harder to find, right? Like, right, yeah. You know, um, but I, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, I remember watching the McNamara's on on YouTube and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I mean, back in the day when Mel Mel and stuff were juniors, which is like it's going back a little bit now. You know, I don't really think it was streaming was was as as big as a, as big as a, of a thing back then. Yeah, I mean, that's what they. That, I mean, that'd be like a cool. I feel like that'd be a cool thing FIB could do as well is like when they have some of these, you know, tournaments in places where they have unlimited space, unlimited courts, you run a, you know, you run your, your four star in Sochi and you run your U19 worlds <clears throat> adjacent yep. right before, right after during, like whenever you want to do it. Um, I know that when the AVP does us nationals at Hermosa, we've had a bunch of side out teams go down there before. And it's awesome because it's like, you know, the youth tournament is the three days before the AVP. So all the physio, all the massage, all the signage, center court, grandstands, it's all up. And they've got DJs and it's, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I mean, I feel like FIB could do that and, you know, and, and um, but I don't know. I, would, I, I don't know if there's an ideas guy. I don't know if there's an ideas guy for the FIVB no, if they don't have is, that position. No, trust me, there is not. <laughs> there is just a bunch of old whites sitting around a table being like, what can we copy of what soccer does? more english people please sorry that louis you know i love you just you know yeah um but you know interesting enough you mentioned the ideas guy how about this throwing an idea about there what if because usually on the sunday of the vancouver open there's a juniors tournament going on at the same time what happens if the juniors finals was played on that center court you know maybe s separates separates the the semis from the finals you give the the main teams a bit of a breather and we let the men's and or you know the the girls and the boys finals play on that center court what, what do you yeah we that We've done that before. Oh, we have, just not when yeah. I'm there, obviously. Yeah, just not when you're there. Yeah. Uh, so we've done it before. couple hiccups. Okay. Um, I guess timing uh, would be difficult. Yeah, sometimes timing is tough. The other hiccup we have is uh, having kids play in front of a midday beer garden. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I forgot about not that. Not the best. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, because not the best. <laughs> if you've ever played the Vancouver Open before, you'll know how unforgiving it is. Right. Yeah. And there might be a few stooges in the beer garden who have been there uh, since, you know, first thing Sunday morning who might not know that there's a line, yeah. you know, and uh, you know what? I, I do retract that. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, I you're out there, you're that. feeling good. You're chirping. We're loving it. We're helping. It's all great. You know, and then if maybe you don't know volleyball, maybe you do. 
you know, some of the kids are really good. So it's just another volleyball game in front of you. And it, uh, yeah. Or so, maybe, maybe you've got a couple of side out kids on one side and you've got non side out kids on the other side. And the two announcers are a little bit biased too. You know, we try never to do that because it usually, it's usually two side out teams anyways. So, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is true. You guys do usually give tournament updates of how well your teams are doing. Yeah. Yeah, well, our one, our, our one team was a four-time champion. They won U14, U14, U16, U16, four teams, four years in a row. Wow, that, that, that's, pretty good. that's pretty good. As, as I said before, yeah. I do think that you guys are the best beach volleyball club uh, in Canada. And that's not pandering because, you know, you're here on the, shore, uh, the show. I've told you that uh, in, in person as well. Um, speaking of, do you have anything else to mention, Cancun bubble, any, any of that thing? Or can we touch NCAA beach real quick before we, we head out? Yeah, let's let's touch into the beach uh, real quick. Let's do that. So, any first and foremost, any of your side out girls in, in the finals? Um, before we touch about about how the NCAA is short short um, you know short handing the uh, NCAA beach volleyball finals um, with no no spectators, less amount of teams, no media allowed. When you know we just had the NCAA women's finals where there was fans in the stands and we're talking about an outdoor venue as well so these these rules that they're putting in place just don't make sense if you're talking about a, a concern for covid um considering that they are outside and that they've played indoor matches you know inside and it, it's clearly that they just can't be bothered to service you know the fastest growing sport in ncaa history yeah, they they definitely threw it together off the side of someone's desk, in in my opinion. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's just what I'm thinking on that. Um, basically, big um, big team still in the hunt, or big big people for us is uh, ex side out alumni and side out coach extraordinaire Darby Dunn, and LMU is still in the hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, Darby this year has been playing on the, she played last year on the ones and twos. Uh, this year she's on the fours with a, they kind of put her on there with a, a young, a young defender. Um, so Darby's playing a bit of a mentor role this year. Um, the, the person playing, the girl she's playing with is, uh, electric, um, you know, but, uh, a little bit random as you are when you're, uh, 18 or 19 playing beach volleyball. Um, and so, so they've got a shot last I checked, they were ranked fifth. Um, I know the tournament is in, uh, Alabama, so it's a bit of a cross country travel, um, for, um, for the California teams that are, that are going to be the favorites. Um, uh, USC, UCLA, uh, probably the favorites once again, mm -hmm. um, you know, a couple strong Florida teams as well. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if a, a California team took it down again. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they, when you're in the best when you're in the area with all the best teams and you you have a war every week, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to to, to get there and 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 do well. Um, you know, you're not you're not shocked by anybody's um, um, skills or anything like that. They haven't uh, launched the draw yet, so I, I don't I can't uh, handicap that at all. Yeah. But May May second is the uh, the show for for determining just the the most recent AVCA uh, uh, coaches poll that came out today usc at number one uh ucla at uh, number two florida state at three lsu at four loyola marymount at five cal poly at six tcu at seven arizona at eight stanford at nine grand canyon at 10 and then we're gonna add this in cal at number 11 because we we all know your girl uh, uh cat is at cal 
Yeah, so Cats at Cal. Unfortunately, Cat this year, they uh, she because of indoor season straddled into beach season this year. Cat uh, has been training with the beach team, but they didn't want to burn any of her eligibility. Um, but basically, Cat uh, showed up uh, with the beach team, paired up with uh, a non-traveling girl who's like in the sevens or eights category for Cal and just was waxing their twos and threes <laughs> at practice. So uh, she's pretty good. Uh, at beach volleyball so they were debating burning a year of her eligibility to try to win uh the last two matches because they thought that might have get him into the the main draw but they you know thought better and didn't do that um i'm not to be honest in the long run we might look back on this and say it doesn't really matter because the the you know the odds of cat adding the fifth year on the end versus um either playing professionally indoor or going out on the world tour is probably not uh, definitely not, not high the question. odds odds are not high for her yeah. staying a fifth year so she had a great indoor season at, at Cal um, you know started every game as a freshman um, led them in swings and kills um, and yeah casual casual Pac-12 leading a team as a she's, freshman she's truly going to be that you know, I have to think back to like the last person I, th- I remember like that is like Sophie Bukovec and Taylor Pischke, who are equally as good on the indoor and, and, and beach side. Um, yeah. But neither of them were able to do it at the NCAA uh, level. I mean, if, if you've listened to my uh, Garth Pischke uh, podcast, you'll you'll learn that Taylor went down to UCSB. They thought that was kind of right at the beginning of beach volleyball. Back, back then it was actually sand, um, which they've made that official switch, which which I like. Um, yes. And uh and yeah, UCSB thought that they were going to have a beach team and decided to cut it. And so Taylor kind of went back and, and played at the University of Manitoba. I mean, it worked out. She's still in the national team, won a national championship with them. So, hey, but Cal has never, yeah, Cal has, uh, I don't think we've ever had a Canadian person play both so successfully. And that's why I'm, I'm very excited to see what what's in the future for Cat Pantovic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, you know, obviously got a lot of hopes for her. She's such a hard worker, um, always wants to do so well and, um, huge, huge pull for them. I mean, um, when she was going through the recruiting process, you know, kind of UCLA only wanted for indoor, uh, UCLA, USC was just sniffing around, but beach only the only kind of two offers she got for both was LMU and Cal and Cal was pac 12 and also, um, you know, had more options for her for school, bigger school, uh, prestigious school. Yeah. Prestigious school. Right. So, and that's important for her. She's also an awesome student. So, uh, I'm excited for, for what's to come, uh, in NCAA beach volleyball. Uh, our other set of twins Sato has the Brown twins, Morgan and Olivia, uh, they're at Erskine college, which is a D three school in, in, in South Carolina. And they got a, they play on the ones down there as a, as sophomores. Wow. And they, they got a win against the D one school this year. So, uh, they beat another set of ones, so that's pretty good. Let's go. Uh, and then uh, Sarah Ostich is um, playing for Concordia in California, and she was on the twos or threes this year, uh, and they were kind of a middle-of-the-pack team, uh, but she had a couple big wins as well. And then um, Julia Sola, another side player, was on Tulane this year. Um, didn't quite crack the traveling squad, though. Um, she was kind of on the sixes all year, um, but lots of good things to come from, from all them as well. And, and, uh, we'll see, uh, unfortunately with COVID, I felt like we were going to have a real, a real shot to have another three, four, five girls go to NCAA, 
um, for beach because we have a really strong 18U class at mm -hmm. Sido, but uh, they're all going to play indoor in Canada, which is also fine. Which is which is also fun. We, there's the, we're, also, we are not discriminating between you. Not discriminating. Not that not yeah. not our position to do so. Um, actually, yeah. one athlete, Ontario athlete, that uh, I, I I have been keeping my uh, eye on, Jamie Santer uh, at Hawaii. She's a freshman. Uh, she's a gr girl that I coached in like house leagues many many years ago, and she was just too good to play against the other kids. So I spent most of the um, house league sessions playing one on one against her because at like 12 years old she was like an maybe not I think actually I think she was a little bit she was a little bit older like 13 14 but she was just way above any of the other kids and I, I remember now she was like a provincial level soccer player and I was begging her to come play for my team and, and she ended up not following soccer but uh, I lost touch of her or randomly saw her just dominating at Hawaii. So she's going to be an, another name to, to watch out for uh, on the beach side, Jamie Santer. She's, she's going to be a big one for sure. I think. Awesome. That's great. Now, Seymour, I, I think we're wrapping up here. I, I do want to ask one more question of you. I, I do believe you told me a story a few years ago uh, about how a certain athlete named Kira Van Rijk asked to play for you in 18 U, and you told her no and that she should just focus on herself for a year. Is this true? So, no, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't, um, how do I say this? Uh, it didn't, didn't quite shake down like that. So I, uh, I was coaching the year younger than, than Kira. Um, and basically how the story goes, it was, um, what do you have left to prove? <laughs> like, why are you playing club volleyball? Like, what is the point? Um, and, and she didn't, and it was great because, uh, kind of the conversation because with, with, with dad, with Henrik and, and with Kira and, and it was basically along the lines of, um, of like, what do you got left? I, I, she, she probably already made up her mind. Like I, I was just involved in, in a general conversation, but, um, it was, it was basically along the lines of like, you're now, you might never get another break, right? Like when else are you going to be able to take? three but months off volleyball that doesn't matter straight up though you're you're very much right and, so and, we, ba basically what we're what you're saying here is that kira's unbelievable uh year this year in poland is because you told her to take a break a few years ago yeah yeah that's that <laughs> i was the sole controller of that i mean i, I could talk a lot with kira like she's 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 great um and i mean i i i love that she made that decision i, I mean she didn't let people really get in her head like like I said, I'm, I'm sure she'd already made that decision before, before we were talking about it or anything like that. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was the right move. I mean, what, what was she going to do? What was she going to do? Go to go play club and, and do whatever. I said the same thing about Eric Lepke last year playing for Trinity. Like, what do you, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah, like, what, mean, what are you doing out there? Like, you're just, you're just clowning guys. Like go play pro. Like go make some money and and you know Eric had Eric had uh, had degree situations to look at and things like that and and you know I respect everybody's choice but you know you know there's only so many jumps left in those knees and uh, let's not waste them against inferior competition and now Kira Van Rijk is shredding I don't know arguably the best women's league in the world probably the best women's league in the world yeah definitely I wouldn't like like you I would go Italy Italy uh, Turkey Russia Poland. But okay. still, like top five women's a, league, a in the top, world. you know, like she is, you know, she is hands down one of the best female prospects in the world right now, and yeah. So I, I just kind of wanted to clear that up because I, I, I do yeah. remember you telling me that, and uh, I mean, 
For the record, if uh, if I would have been coaching 18U and she was like, Seymour, I'm coming to play for you, I still would have told her no. I, but see, I because remember, what's the point? I, I do remember <laughs> you telling me that, and you know what? I think that's yeah. that's you know that's I think that's why I, I got love for you because you do the right thing, man. You do the right yeah. thing. It's the same thing at side out. We have a side out rule that if you win a tournament in an age group, you are banned from that age group. Damn. Banned. Ban hammer. You show up. You show up. Sand series number one in Vancouver. You win sixteen. U. boom. Go play eighteen. U. boom. Boom. Doesn't Dude. do you any good to wax people. Dude, Nobody gets better. This is why you guys are the best. This is why you just listed off so many of your athletes that are playing and down in the NCAA. Yeah. Yep. All right, all right, man. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and chatting some volleyball with me. Uh, it's a date no night with my girlfriend, um, and she's pitter pattering behind me and 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 getting ready. So we're we're gonna pour ourselves some wine and make our, ourselves some dinner and stuff like that. But dude, really That's appreciate awesome. you coming on uh, here. Oh, anytime. And, and and chatting some volleyball. I do think that we're gonna have to do this some more i would like to get it like to be a bit of a round table i did try to get jonathan sure. McAd mcadam from our our uh our uh, fantasy league in uh he's been killing it on our discord chat as well too guys also if you're listening to this come join the volleyball source discord chat it is going to be down in the show notes we've got coming up to like 150 people on the discord and we've got plenty of canadians we've got americans we've got people from literally around the world i i think Okay, I don't, I don't think we have anyone from Africa yet, but we have people in Asia. We have people all across Europe, um, in, in South America, in the States, and all the places. So come join our, our Discord. Seymour, are you on the Discord yet? Are you not a Discord? You're, you're a little too old for Discord. He uh, I, I do. Wait, wait, wait. I do know what Discord is because my students talk about it all the time. <laughs> but I do not have the Discord. I don't have uh, the thing for the thing in that. Um, it, I'm sure I could figure it out. Just you just click app. around. Yeah, it's it's just perfect. A, yeah, it's it's just an app. Okay. It's, it's basically. I know what an app is. Yeah, for sure. It's it's just like a chatting app. You know, it's like chat boards and and, and stuff like that. So yeah, come hang perfect. out on the Discord. Um, okay. indoor, indoor volleyball, beach volleyball, men's and women's. We cover it all. Uh, we cover it. We chat yeah. about it. Um, I'd I'd come on there and 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 be like, what indoor? Like, what are you guys talking about? I don't know anything about these things. You guys know so much about like crazy indoor leagues. You guys probably talking about like fourth division in Italy and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, sometimes like when we, we, we we've got dudes who are updating on like France Pro B and, and stuff like that. It's it's great. It's it's turning I love into, it. it's turning I love into a really it. great community. So if you guys are paying or listening, uh, come join Discord and uh, yeah, drop us a line if you want to hear us talk about anything. If you have any questions, let us know in the comments or or on Instagram. Um, Seymour, once again, thanks so much, dude. So much fun to chatting with you, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. See you later. Awesome. Peace out, guys. Have a great one.